Amen. Well, so good to be with all of you this morning. Thanks for coming to church. I woke up at 4.30, and it was storming, and it was dark, and I was like, I don't know if anyone's coming to church today. So I'm glad you guys came. It's a good morning to be in church. just want to introduce myself briefly. If you're new, my name is Daniel, and this is my wife, Emily. We have two kids. One is 23 months today. So, woo, she's almost two. And then we have a three-month-old. He'll be three months old in two days. So, yeah, they are a handful, but a blessing at the same time. So, yeah, I just want to say I'm so glad you're here. Our dream is that this church would be a place where, one, you feel at home. We want you to come in here and feel like it's home. And, two, where you just encounter God every single week. Like, that's our main prayer. I'm desperate for God to move in this place. I don't want to just do religion. Like, I want to actually encounter God and get to know him personally. And I pray that this would be a place where you can encounter God, where when you come in here, you know you're meeting with God. That's our prayer. Yeah, so as Emily said, next week, big opening Sunday, bring your friends. We're excited about that. Yeah, so how many of you have ever been discouraged before? Okay, okay, good. So all of us, it's not just me. And how many of you have felt like uh, you don't have the strength to keep doing the things that God is asking you to do or to keep doing the things that uh, you feel like you're supposed to do? Have you ever felt that way, like you just can't keep going on? Okay, we're all in this together, right? That feels good. As I've joked about before, having you know, two kids under two can be quite a challenge, and planting a church can be quite a challenge, and leading during a pandemic can be quite a challenge. When you put all these three things together, it can be a little bit difficult at times, right? And I gotta say, this has been such a rewarding time this last year of preparing to plant this church, but at the same time, there have been some challenging moments. And on Thursday of this last week, it was one of those mornings where I just woke up and I was feeling discouraged. I was feeling discouraged about some different things in my life, and I actually got my journal out. And I began to journal every single time that I felt like I was attacked by the enemy. So Satan, we talk about the enemy, Satan. Uh, I journaled every time I felt like he's attacked me in the last four weeks since we started previous services. Because for me, I've just experienced an increase in spiritual pressure since we decided to plant this church. And I think it's because we're going to kick back the gates of hell in this community. I believe that's why I'm feeling that pressure. And not just these last four weeks, but the last year, but you know, really these last four weeks. And there's about three or four things that would happen every single week where I felt like the enemy was attacking me. And... Uh, as I thought back on those things, though, it was beautiful because I realized that for every attack that Satan, you know, had assaulted me with, I felt like God came back and pushed it back in, in some certain way, through someone encouraging me or just through different things. You know, this week I was feeling discouraged one day, and then I get a, a call from John Griffin, who I mention him every week during this sermon, poor guy, but I get a call from him. He's like, hey, I'm at your house. Can you come open the door? I go upstairs, and he comes in with some coffee beans, like a ton of coffee beans, like way more than I can, you know, drink anytime soon. But he just saying, hey, I just wanted to encourage you. You know, that was one example of that. That actually happened on Friday, but on Thursday, so back to Thursday, I was journaling this, and I began to read in my Bible reading plan, and I read through the whole Bible every year. It's just a practice of mine. I don't like to, you know, jump around. I just kind of read through it, and I happen to be in 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19, and it tells the story of King Hezekiah, who's my favorite king in the Bible other than David. And in the story, he's leading Israel, well, Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. And Assyria, which was a foreign enemy, was coming against him. And he is scared out of his mind, but he commits himself. It says that he held fast to the Lord in the midst of the opposition. And then God comes through on his behalf. God defeats the Assyrian army, and he didn't even need Hezekiah's help. He actually like, went and just took out a bunch of people on his own. Like Hezekiah didn't do anything. I then found that the name Hezekiah means God strengthens at that point, bells began to go off in my mind because God was trying to say something to me. See, the day before at midweek prayer, and you should come if you've never come before, it's a great time, I felt led to pray Ephesians chapter six over our church. And it says this in verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Okay, so then uh, when I was reading the 
or looking at the Bible app on Thursday, I realized that that verse was the verse of the day on Wednesday, okay, on the day that I felt led to read it. I didn't see the verse of the day, right? I don't really look at it that much, but I realized that was the verse of the day, and I realized that between Hezekiah's name and and reading that passage and in between praying that over our church and seeing that was the verse of the day that God was trying to tell me something. He was trying to say, Daniel, you need to find your strength in me, not in yourself. And I'm a hard worker. I'm a perfectionist. I like to find my strength in myself. But God was saying, you're not going to be able to do this on your own strength. And I'm telling you, I jumped out of my seat. I began praying with authority. And I said, God, I'm ready to write this message. Because this message I'm writing this week is on power, on God's power And I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to write this message. And God gave me everything I needed to write it. And now I'm about to share it with you. So I hope it lives up to the hype. But I'm praying that God would strengthen you this morning. That you would experience his power. Because God doesn't want his sons and daughters to try to do it on his own. Or to do it on their own strength. He wants them to get their power from heaven. From the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want us to rely upon our own strength. And some of us have come in here this morning. And if you're very honest with yourself, you've been struggling to obey God. You're entangled in sin, which then causes you to get hammered with shame. See, what Satan does is he tries to entice you to sin, right? He says, this is going to be really fun. And then he turns around and starts accusing you after you uh, commit the sin. So you're wrestling with wanting to do sin and then feeling shame after you commit the sin. And maybe you feel like God is mad at you. If that's you this morning, I just believe that, that you need to experience, that each of us need to experience the power of God that both forgives us for our sin and sets us free from the power of sin. And some of us came in here this morning, and you're a parent, and you feel like a failure with your kids. Or maybe I'm just talking about me. But, you know, we question if we're disciplining our kids correctly, if we're raising them right. And if that's you, you need to know uh, today that it's only by God's power and God's strength that you can be a godly, loving, strong parent, the parent that he's called you to be. It's not by your might. It's not by your power. It's by his power. There's some in here who go to school And you're struggling to navigate this in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of all the changes. You're struggling to stay focused on your classwork. You're struggling to be calm in the midst of uncertainty. And God wants you to know that it's only by his power that you can get through this semester. Uh, Some of us are struggling to share our faith with our friends. Uh, We get intimidated and scared when we get opportunities. But again, today, it's only through the power of God that you can share your faith with your friends. I don't know what you need God's power for today, but I know you need it, and I need it. And especially as a church, as we seek to plant a church in 2020, we need the authentic power of God. So with that said, we are concluding our series, We Are Sent. We've been talking about the things that are most important to us as a church. We've talked about gospel, we've talked about community, we've talked about mission and and discipleship, and now we're talking about power. And we are a church that believes that the Holy Spirit still moves today in the ways that he did in the New Testament. We pretty much have the mentality that if it happened then, it can happen now. And we know that that we need the Holy Spirit to be the church that he's called us to be. So we are committed to being a people of God's presence and being a people of his power. So with that said, let's turn to Acts chapter one, verse four. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab a free one after service. They are nice Bibles. So if you need an upgrade, that's cool too. Very nice Bibles. All right, so for this entire series, we've been in the book of Acts. So in week one, we started in the middle of Acts 2, uh, where Peter preaches the gospel. And, you know, that's the message of Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. And then 3,000 people put their faith in Christ in one day. And then in, in week two, we go to the next part of Acts 2, where we talked about that first community, that very first church, and what that church looked like. And we saw that that church was wholly devoted to God and to one another. 
And then last week we pulled in Matthew 13, we talked about the parable of the mustard seed, how the kingdom starts small but expands out. And then we drew on the book of Acts to see how we can be a king or be a church that goes viral in our community. And now we're going to conclude the series by actually backing up to Acts chapter 1 and also the beginning of Acts 2 to see how the church got the power that they needed to be the people who brought the kingdom of God from just a small mustard seed in Jerusalem to a kingdom that's on every single continent in the world. Uh, We'll see what God did to help that first church get going. And we're going to pray today at the end of service, just going to prepare you now, we're going to pray at the end of service that God would give us that same power as we seek to reach the Cedar Valley and as we seek to reach uh, the world. Okay, so Acts begins just after Jesus had risen from the dead and and he's about to leave and he gives the disciples this huge mission to complete. And we see the mission in Matthew 28 is to go and make disciples of all nations to baptize them and to teach them to observe everything that Jesus has commanded us. But then he tells them that they can't possibly complete that mission until they receive power from the Holy Spirit first. Okay, so that's what we're gonna be looking at. But let's pray over that before we get into it too much. All right, so Jesus, we thank you that you are present this morning. We can sense your presence. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being with us. In your word, it says that you're not going to leave us as orphans, Holy Spirit. You, or Jesus said that about the Holy Spirit. So God, today we pray that that wouldn't just be a truth that we know in our head, but something that's real in our hearts, where we know that the Holy Spirit is with us, you're helping us, you're guiding us as a church, and you're giving us power. So Jesus, speak now in your name. Amen. All right, so here in Acts 1, the disciples were already followers of Jesus, right? They were disciples, and they had the Holy Spirit living inside of them already. The Holy Spirit lived in their hearts, because every follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit in their hearts. And we see in John 20, before Jesus was crucified, he gives them the Holy Spirit. Okay, John 20, 22, it says, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so they already had the Holy Spirit. But Jesus tells them that they need something more than just the Spirit living on the inside that that happens at salvation. They're going to need something more if they're going to complete their mission. They're going to need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptizo is a Greek word for baptized, which means to be dunked or to be immersed. And that's where we get the idea of water baptism, right? We're dunked in the water, we come up. So Jesus says, you need to be plunged in with the Holy Spirit if you're going to complete this mission. You need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. You need supernatural power from God. He's saying, you don't just need a ticket to heaven, but you need an immersion with the Holy Spirit that would bring heaven to earth. Okay, so let's read it. It's Acts 1, 4 through 8. It says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Uh, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay, first point this morning, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, is if we want to complete our mission, we must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was telling his disciples, if you're going to complete this great commission, if you're going to truly do what I've called you to do, you need to know that you cannot do it on your own strength. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 4 through 5, again, he he tells them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. 
He says, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he says, don't even leave. Don't even try to do what I've asked you to do until you get the promise of the Father. And then he explains what the promise of the Father is. He says, the promise of... Now, the promise of the Father is what John the Baptist prophesied about three years ago. And this is in Luke 3.16. It says, John answered them saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Who wants to get baptized in fire today? That sounds pretty awesome if you ask me. And this is what the disciples would experience in Acts chapter 2. He says, wait for that baptism with fire. You got the baptism in water. You need the baptism in fire. And after they receive it, so we'll read that in a second. After they receive it, Peter tells us that the promise of the Father is not just what John the Baptist had predicted in Luke 3, but it's also what Joel had prophesied about in the Old Testament. So hang with me. This is 600 years before this. Uh, Joel says this. Well, Peter's going to quote him. It's in Acts 2, 14 through 18. So hang with me. I know this is a lot. He says, but see... But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. He said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk as you suppose. Okay, so what happened was the uh, disciples get baptized in the Holy Spirit, they start speaking in tongues, and people think uh, they're drunk, right? They think they're tailgating. It's like early in the morning, right? And uh, he's saying, That's not what's going on, right? He says, This is what's going on. In verse 16, But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So Joel dreamed of a day when ministry wouldn't just be in the hands of ministers or priests, but when every person would be empowered with the Holy Spirit to minister. Both sons and daughters prophesying, which just means speak for God. Okay, we don't need to be all Christianese about it. It just means speaking a message for God, right? Prophesying. Old men dreaming dreams, which is something I prayed for this church since its beginning. I prayed that there would be old men who come in here and dream dreams. I'm praying for that in the Cedar Valley, but not just old men dreaming dreams. I want young men to get visions, right? I want to send young men and women out from here who have a vision to go and bring the gospel to other communities, right? So young men seeing visions for the future, and even servants, even the lowest of the low in society being empowered by the Spirit. Joel dreamed of a church where each disciple walked in the power of God. So I just want to encourage you this morning that Joel is saying what Peter is saying is the power of the Holy Spirit is available for all of us. It's not just for special people. It's not just for good preachers or teachers. It's for everybody. And God wants to empower you to be more than you ever thought you could be, to do things that you never thought you could do as God works in and through you. He wants to empower you with his Holy Spirit. I want to tell you that the place you've been is not where you need to stay. The place you've been is not where you need to stay. And the enemy will lie to us and say, you are stuck Uh, just where you're at. You're never going to grow past that. You're never going to be empowered to get free of that. But God wants to say this morning that because of him, anything is possible. He can empower you to be more than you ever thought you could be. So what Peter was saying, he's saying that this baptism of the Holy Spirit is a fulfillment of Luke 3, and it's a a fulfillment of, you know, Joel 2. It's a fulfillment of Acts 1, when Jesus says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit 
comes upon you. So this baptism of the Spirit, it tells us that, that Jesus is not just after our salvation. Okay, that's not all that he's after. And I think sometimes we think that. We think, okay, Jesus just wants to get people out of hell. No, Jesus wants to get heaven into people, right? He wants to change this world. He doesn't, he doesn't just want to snatch people out of here and save us. He wants to empower us to change this world. And I believe that God is looking for a people who believe that and receive that. You know, Jesus doesn't just want us to be, uh, to be baptized in water for repentance, but he wants us to be baptized in fire for power. He wants to pour the Spirit in our lives, onto our lives in such a way that we can't help but both live like Him and witness boldly for Him on the earth. And Jesus tells him, He says, wait for this. Back to Acts 1, He says, wait for this. And it, and it says this in verse 6. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his authority. Okay, so after promising supernatural power that they could only dream about, that their ancestors had prophesied about, they get distracted. They're like getting way off over here. And they're saying, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom? Is this the end? Are you going to rule and reign on the earth? And they were excited because they felt like the final salvation of people was going to happen. It was imminent. And they were probably thinking more of a political kingdom, a, a, a political salvation ruler, or where uh, Israel would get to set up their kingdom again and the Roman armies would be driven out. But Jesus tells them it's not for them to know times or seasons, that the Father is fixed by his authority. And this, or now looking back, the disciples can seem a little silly, getting distracted and caught up with things that Jesus wasn't even trying to talk about. But I think we can relate with them. I think we oftentimes kind of focus on the minors and we don't focus on the majors, right? We kind of get distracted. We try to read the times, which isn't bad. We see that in Scripture. But, but we get obsessed with reading the times. We want to see what God's doing, specifically when Jesus will return. And it's not a bad thing to be, you know, expectant of that. We should be expectant of the Lord's return, and believers in the New Testament certainly were, right? They would say, Maranatha, which means, Lord, come quickly. They would say that all the time. But Jesus warns us here, do not become obsessed with reading the times. He wants you to stay focused on the mission. He says, focus on what I've asked you to do, and I'll come back when I'm ready. I'll come back when the Father has fixed it by his authority. Okay, so he redirects their thoughts from establishing a political kingdom of Israel to establishing a spiritual kingdom for every single tribe, tongue, and nation. He tells them, if you're going to usher in the spiritual kingdom, you need the help of the Holy Spirit. Again, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. If they were going to reach every tribe, tongue, and nation, they needed the power of God. They were not enough on their own to do what God had called them to do. They had a humongous task before them to reach people of every people group. And if they wanted any shot at this, they needed to make sure they had the power of God. They needed to make sure they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I once heard a story from a pastor that I greatly respect. His name is Jim Bradford. And he was a Chi Alpha campus missionary at the University of Minnesota way back in the day, like in the hippie days, right? And then he became a church planter. He planted a church by campus, which, hey, I'm kind of going in that trajectory. We'll see how it goes. But he eventually rose up to like number three in our our network of churches. I don't think that's in my future, but hey, you never know. Uh, so I'm kidding. But in college, he went to the University of Minnesota before he became the Kyle Alpha pastor, and he studied to be a rocket scientist. Okay, this guy's a genius, right? And during his junior year of his undergraduate, he became the leader of Kyle Alpha because all the student leaders had graduated and they didn't have a pastor. 
And it was really more of a Bible study, and there was about 12 students in it at the time. And, and by his senior year, he shrunk it down from 12 students to three students. Okay, so just very successful. And one day, he was sharing about his discouragement, about what was happening in Chi Alpha with a friend, and they decided to do something really crazy, pray and fast, right? They started to pray and fast. And as they started praying daily, Dr. Bradford describes it as if God began to squeeze his heart. He became desperately hungry for God. He would go days without food as he prayed that God would do a work on his campus. Between classes, he would pray. Late at night, he would pray. He would go to his Kyle office, which only had a desk and carpet. So, okay, so no chair, just a desk and carpet. And he would lay on the carpet and just groan before God and say, God, we need you to move in our day. He didn't, or didn't even have words for it. He would just get ruined for God. You know, he had largely failed as a Chi Alpha leader, but it caused him to get hungry for God because he knew he couldn't do, it on, or couldn't do it on his own strength. He needed the power of God. And the group, it grew back from three to 12 the next year. So wow, revival breaking out. But, but then during his second year of grad school, okay, so this is like four years later after he started, they did all their welcome week stuff. They tried to reach the campus, did all the events, and again, their group didn't grow. And they get into October, November. They're still praying and fasting. They're seeking God. And there's one week where they had, you know, 12 people. And then the next week, he walks into Chi Alpha, and there's 65 students in there. And no particular reason. He wasn't advertising, like nothing. He, he could not explain. Each person had come for different reasons, just randomly drawn by God to the Chi Alpha meeting. And that exploded. It exploded into hundreds of students. They planted a church that is still there today. I actually went to it for a little while when I lived up there. And it all came out of that prayer and that hunger for God to do something that he could never do. James experienced what Jesus said the disciples needed to experience. He experienced God doing in and through him what he could not do in his own strength. He experienced what it's like when the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting in our lives and we don't have to do it on our own. And this interaction between Jesus and his disciples and James' story tells us so much about how we are to live today. It tells us if we want to truly be a church that does what God has called us to do, then we need to be a church that is full of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. If we truly want to be a church, you know, not just saying for the one, for the city, for the world, but truly a church that has an impact on the one, has an impact on our city, and an impact on the world, we need the Holy Spirit. We're not smart enough, right? We're not charismatic enough. God needs to do something here. If this thing's going to grow, God needs to do something. We need the power of God. We can't do what God has called us to do without being filled with God. Before we can reach the world as a church, we need to be with Jesus. And the same thing applies to us as individuals as as we're going through our daily lives, if we ever hope to be the moms and dads, the husbands and wives, the sons and daughters, the coworkers and the friends that God has called us to be, we need his power for the most basic things. We need to be immersed with the Holy Spirit and immersed in the life of Jesus. If we ever hope to do anything significant for God, we need to be filled with him. And this is not just a one-time experience, like this, this spooky experience where it's like, ooh, it's not just that. That might happen. You might have an experience with God. But it's this constant, daily being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a continual commitment to saying, I got to get in God's presence. I got to get filled up. I need the Holy Spirit. I need to read his word. I need to seek him in prayer. I need to empty myself of my pride so God can fill me with his love and his power. Ephesians 5.18, it says, Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. 
And the Greek for to be filled with the Spirit literally means keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. Come on, we need to live like that. We're called to pursue what the disciples experience in Acts 2, where they are baptized in the Spirit, they speak in other tongues, but we're also supposed to have a lifestyle of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that comes through obeying God. It comes through being in his presence. It comes through letting him fill us. And as we get filled with the Holy Spirit every day, we also need to stay focused on his mission. I think a lot of times, you know, churches that are really about the Holy Spirit, sometimes we're not about mission. Like, we just want to have hangouts with other church people and be in God's presence, which is great. We want to do that. But it should always translate into being on mission. You know, the disciples were like that. You know, they hear about that and then, and then immediately they're thinking about establishing a political kingdom. They're thinking about their own ends. And God is saying, no, I'm not filling you with the spirit for yourself. I'm filling you with the spirit for the world. I pray we'd be that kind of church. Our primary concern is being empowered with the spirit and reaching our friends. I, I pray that that would be our heart. Okay, so we've established, uh, established that we need the power of God. We need to be filled with the spirit but how do we position ourselves in such a way to be filled or to be baptized uh, with the Holy Spirit? How do we uh, position ourselves to experience what I experienced on Thursday where God gave me the strength I needed to go on? Well, let's see here. Acts 1, uh, 12 through 14. We're going to skip down a little bit. And this is what they did. It says, And they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room or to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. Okay, so get this verse right here. All these uh, were with one accord, were de are devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Okay, so they came together and they did two things. They came together in unity, in one accord, and they devoted themselves to prayer. They banded together. They said, we're in this together. And they said, God, we're not going anywhere until you fill us with your spirit. And then in Acts 2, we see that God answers their prayer. It says this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all, every one of them, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit as the Spirit gave them utterance. And now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Okay, so following this, Peter gets up, and he explains what's going on. And as we read earlier, we see that part about Joel too, but then he goes and he shares the gospel, and then 3,000 people get saved. He was filled with this boldness to, to preach in front of a hostile crowd. It's, it's really amazing. But, but there are two common threads here that we see, two common things that the disciples did to posture themselves in such a way where they could receive the power of the Spirit. The first, like I was saying, is a supernatural unity. And that comes out of humility. Okay, so I'm going to say humility. You know, unity comes out of humility. And the second thing was a supernatural hunger for God to move that, that manifested itself in prayer. Okay, so the second point this morning and the last point, but we might be a little bit, is this. Just don't want you to be too antsy, right? Because God's got something to say. Okay, it's this. If we want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, we must be humble and hungry for more of God. If you ain't humble, you ain't gonna get filled with God. You know, God opposes the proud. We'll look at that verse in a minute, but God opposes the proud. And if you ain't hungry, then God ain't gonna fill you either. If we want to receive the power of God, we need to be humble and hungry. Okay, so in chapter one, 12 through 14, they obeyed Jesus' exhortation to, or to go and wait 
and pray. They sought God together in unity. Okay, so unity is a magnet for the Holy Spirit. God loves unity. He loves when the church, you know, dwells in unity. There's something supernatural that happens when we come together with one heart. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says this. It says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the, or by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be united in the same mind, in the same judgment. That was a characteristic of that first church. It says in Acts 4 that they were of one heart and one soul. Okay, So to have this kind of unity where, where divisions are non-existent, and where we have one heart and one soul, we need humility. It takes each of us knowing our place in the body of Christ, knowing that each of us are just servants of God and, and coming under his authority and letting him use us in whatever way he sees fit. It takes knowing our place and knowing we are weak without, God, or knowing we are weak without God's help. It takes knowing that each of us desperately need God to move in and through us. Okay, so James 4, 6, I said I would share this. It says, but he gives more grace, and therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay, so that's the posture we need to have. We need to be humble before God if we want more of him. Okay, but the disciples didn't just come with humility. They came with hunger, and this manifested itself in prayer. In James 4, again, the next two verses, it says this. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's a promise. You can take that to the bank. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. I think some of us need to hear that this morning. If we draw near to God, if we cleanse our hands, you sinners. You know, James just comes at us, right? I love how he just talks trash to us. But and, and, I'm kidding. And purify your hearts, you double-minded, right? If we draw near to God, he will draw near to us, okay? And that's what the disciples did. They embrace the spirit of Second Chronicles 7.14. We hear this a lot. If you're in church culture at all, you have heard this verse in the last several years. It says this. It says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Okay, so as the disciples humbled themselves, as they prayed, as they sought God's face, as they turned from their sin, they weren't okay with sin, they turned from it. God answered their prayer. He heard from heaven and he poured out his Holy Spirit so that they could be witnesses to go out and heal their land. We see this in Acts 2, 1 through 4. There's a mighty rushing wind. It fills the entire house. Divided tongues is a fire. Think about that happened this morning. We'd all be freaked out, right? Be like, I'm not going back to that church. That's weird. And they all started speaking in tongues. What a weird, weird church. And the Lord answered their prayer. He, he baptized them with the Spirit. They finally got to experience what Joel prophesied about and what John the Baptist promised, that they would be baptized in fire. It's interesting, because here they actually spoke other human languages. Okay, so they spoke the languages of, of people who were there at Pentecost. Okay, so at the celebration of Pentecost, people would, or Jews would come from every nation around, and, and they would come in and celebrate. And, and God gave the gave them the ability to speak their languages. So it says that, that they were hearing the disciples like praising God in their language and the disciples didn't know those languages. And we see in other instances in Acts that, that God gives believers heavenly languages as well when they get baptized in the Spirit. You can get one or the other. So when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you might expect either one of those things. And we'll talk about that another time. I don't want to dive too deep into tongues this morning because it takes a longer message, but we can talk about it if you want to. But the point I'm making today is that that they came before God, they came before him with hunger, 
And they came with humility. And then God gave them what they needed. God knew that to get that crowd to listen to them, they needed to speak the other languages of that crowd. God knew they needed that. So God gave them what they needed as they sought him. God gave them the power that they needed to complete the mission for that day. And that's what I really want to get this morning. It says in verse five and six, it says, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Here's the reality. When we get empowered with God, when we get empowered by the Holy Spirit, the crowds will be, or truly be bewildered by God. They'll be in awe of him. And that's my prayer for our church, that people will come in here. Not that we're being weird or, or kooky, but, but people will come in here and they would say, I just met with God. I don't know what that was, but that changed me. That I was different than anything I've ever experienced before. God was present there. That's my prayer, that, that the Cedar Valley would be bewildered at God's power through St. Church. I'm praying for that. I'm praying that God would do that in our church. But for that to happen, we have to be humble. And for that to happen, we have to be hungry. And Peter experienced this firsthand. He had just denied Jesus three times. He, he was so scared of getting caught with Jesus that he denied Jesus to a, or to a little girl. He was that scared. He's like, no, I don't know Jesus, right? But then he seeks God. He gets baptized with the Holy Spirit, and then he gets all bold. And he gets up here, right? He gets a little higher. He starts preaching. He starts preaching to the crowd. And then he preaches with such authority, with such power, that 3,000 people get saved in a day. And these aren't just people. These are people who would be hostile to the message. But God changed their hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our day. We need the Holy Spirit. We cannot do church on our own strength. We need the power of God. We need to experience what Peter experienced. It's available to us. So just before I got to you and I, in 2011, and this is as a freshman, okay, so I wasn't coming to be the pastor, okay, so I was coming to, to be a freshman in school, I had just rededicated my life to Jesus, and I'll tell that story next week. So if you want to hear the story, I hope you come next week, but I was so passionate for God. I was a firecracker. I had no character, though. I'm going to be honest with you, but I was a firecracker. Like, on the drums, I played drums. I'd be, like, throwing the sticks in the air. Yeah, Jesus, come on, come on. So fired up for God. I'm still kind of like that, but uh, I'm trying to get it under control, but uh, so despite my desire to pursue God and my commitment in the sense of I felt really excited about him, uh, like I said, I didn't have any character. I was addicted to pornography, that's weird to you. I'm sorry. I'm just going to be vulnerable, okay? And I was doing things with girls that I shouldn't have. I was really timid in my faith. I was all talk, but I didn't actually do anything. And I compromised on a number of levels. It felt like I would take two steps forward in my faith, be really jacked up after a Kyle for service, and then three steps back the next day, right? That's what it felt like every single week. And when I came into Kyle for that fall, our pastor drugged me to an event that we have every year called Fall Retreat. And it's a time really focusing on the Holy Spirit and, and, and pursuing him. And they talked about this Holy Spirit baptism thing. I'm like, I don't know what that is, but it seems weird. Maybe that's not for today, right? That's what I thought. And they taught on it, and I saw it in Scripture. And again, I didn't get to go through all the text today, but it's all over the book of Acts. You see the baptism of the Spirit happening over and over again. If you want to look on your own time, it's Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, and Acts 19. It's just vivid. People get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They get power. They speak in tongues. You see that. But we'll talk about that at a different time. Okay, so they showed me that. And I saw it there in detail. I'd never seen it before in Scripture. One, because I didn't read the Bible that much. But two, I just never heard it taught. And, and, and he taught it. And as we read through those five different accounts, uh, the speaker shared how, how when he experienced the baptism, he drew closer to Jesus, how he started to live more holy. He, he got set free from his addictions. He began to have power in his witness. 
And as he talked about those things, humility began to settle deep within me. I knew that I was weak on my own. I knew I needed something more. I knew I couldn't do what God had called me to do on my own. I had so many dreams for God. I wanted to reach the entire UNI campus. And me and that other freshman guy that was fired up, we were going to do it, right? We had no clue what we were doing. But I wanted to, to just make a big impact for God. But I knew I could not do it on my own. And I knew I could not defeat my addiction on my own. I knew I needed God. And also hunger began to rise. As I was humbled, I was also hungry. Hunger began to rise up within me. I knew that I wanted it. I, I wanted it so bad. I said, I need what the disciples got. I need that. God has more for me. So at the end of service, to give an opportunity to receive the baptism, I can still replay it all in my head. I can like play through it. It's like a movie. You know, one of my friends encouraged me to go up because I was too scared, right? I get that feeling. And I went up, it was like right here. The campus pastor came behind me, began to pray for me lightly. And all of a sudden, I began to feel like different. It, it, it was this supernatural experience. And I began to speak this language I didn't know. It was really kooky, right? Really weird. And what happened as I spoke this language is I was just put in absolute awe of Jesus. I've never experienced anything like it before that. I'd never experienced anything like it. I was in awe of his beauty. And for the rest of the day, the, the, like the entire day, we went to a concert that night because Paul Retreat got over. And we went to a bar. It was a concert at a bar. People were drunk all around me, and I'm praying in tongues at this concert, like literally all day. I'm not kidding you. I know it sounds weird. And hang with me. If it's weird to you, that's totally fine, right? We can go on a journey, but but it was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life, and my life changed. It wasn't just an experience. My life changed. Pornography addiction, boom, set free. After, like, chains broken off my life. I looked at it every day before that, and after that, like, it maybe happened a few times after that, like, you know, since then. Well, and, yeah, not since I've been married or a pastor or anything like that, okay? So hear me. I'm not struggling, okay? <laughs> but as I was in college and still kind of struggling, like, a couple times, but it was broken off my life. <laughs> I don't know why I went there. Okay, just, just erase that from the live stream. Okay, so... Uh, I'm just being honest with you, right? Because I know we're struggling in this room. And if I'm not honest, how can you ever be set free, right? You need to know that I've been there. And I'm still struggling with things, right? But before, I often resisted the, con- the conviction of the Holy Spirit when I sinned. I would just ignore him. Like, I don't know what he's saying. Get off me. Flick, you know, flick the angel off me. And now I'm not kidding you. If I sin, you can just ask Emily or Derek. I got to tell somebody, like, within two seconds. Like, I just did this. I need forgiveness. Because the Holy Spirit's conviction is so strong in my life. Before I was so timid in my faith, I never told people about Jesus. And now my entire life is devoted to getting up in front of people and and sharing the gospel. And it can all be traced back to October 1st of 2011, that day that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time thing, though. It's it's a consistent commitment to being filled with the Spirit. If If it just happens one time, your life will go back to normal. But it's a commitment to being in God's presence, of seeking Him. And I can't help but think that there's many of us this morning who are struggling to be what God has called us to be. You have dreams in your heart of what God might make you to be. You have dreams of what God might do through your life. You have dreams that God might do more through you, but you don't know how to step into it. I want to say this morning that, that he doesn't want you to stay stuck in sin. He doesn't want you to stay stuck in timidity. He wants to empower you. I think of what Paul said to Timothy. He said, Timothy, God did not give you a spirit of fear or a spirit of timidity. He's giving you a spirit of power and love and self-control that's in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul's pointing back to that type of experience being filled with the Spirit. He's saying it's in you, power and love and self-control, and that's available to us. God is calling us to be a church that is committed to seeing God do things in us that we can never do on our own. He's calling us to let him do 
in and through us what we could never do in or through ourselves. But for this to happen, we gotta be humble. And we have to be hungry. We have to be open to God doing in us whatever he did in the book of Acts. We have to consistently empty ourselves and then let God fill us. We have to prioritize the power of God over our own strength. Okay, so this morning, the big idea, if you're taking notes, is this. God is building a church that is filled with the Spirit and relies on his power. God is building a church that is filled with the Spirit and relies on his power. I just want to have some moments here with God. We're going to take like 10 minutes here, and I, I I just want God to move in these next few moments. I got a few words for people. I, I feel like God gave me three different groups of people who are gonna be here this morning. I wanna speak to you and, and see if it relates with you. And then I wanna take some time at the end to just pray and ask God to do something in us. So the first group of people this morning that I think are here are those of us who you come in and you're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. That's not a question. And you're feeling pretty good about yourself. You're feeling like you're doing it well, right? You, you, or you go to church most weeks, you serve on a dream team, or you serve on the dream team, you, you know, you're in a small group, maybe you're a small group leader, and you think you're doing good, and, and you may be right about that, right? You might be a good Christian. But I believe this morning that God wants to humble you a little bit. Is it okay if I say that? I believe God might want to humble you. Every time I get proud, God humbles me, I tell you. Like, we have a big service, I'm like, Yes! The next week we have a smaller service. Like God will humble me, right? And I believe that God wants to humble you. He wants to create this desperation in, in your spirit for more of him. He wants you to wake up every morning and say, I want more of Jesus. I don't want to settle with where I've been. I want to go deeper and deeper into the things of God. And I believe God has that for you, but, but to experience that you have to want it. Some of you came in here this morning, this is the second group, and, and you're a Christian, but you're discouraged about your Christian life. You are discouraged about the way you're living. You want more faith. You want more power. You want to live more like Jesus, but you just don't know how. I want to encourage you this morning. God sees your heart. Do you know that? God sees your heart. He doesn't look at all your external actions. He sees your heart, and he sees your desire to please him, and that pleases him. He delights in you. He delights in that. But you need to know this morning that it's not by your own strength that this happens. It's not by your own strength. It's not about you figuring it out. It's about you getting rid of your own self and letting God come in. It's about emptying yourself so God can fill you with the Spirit, so God can give you the grace to progressively grow closer to Him. And that's the thing you need to know. It's not a one-time experience. It's, it's progressively growing closer. There are things I was struggling with. You know, one of the things I struggled with is anger in 2011. And I was like, that's gonna go away is going to go away by 2013 for sure, right? I had a different concept of time when I was 18, but you know, now, you know, I'm still struggling, right? But I'm growing every day. I'm progressively growing, and God wants to bring you on a journey of, of growing, of each day experiencing his grace, being hungry for more of him, being drawn closer and closer to Jesus, and if you do that, it, it's, it's a beautiful life of saying there's more each day. There's more of God to experience. There's more of God to get inside of you, you know, in 1 Corinthians, uh, the writer Paul talks about how, how we're being transformed from, or from one degree of glory to another. And I believe God wants to call you into that this morning. He wants you to be hungry for him. And finally, I think there's others of us who, who don't have right relationship with God this morning. You came in here, and if you're very honest, you do not have right relationship with God. 
Either you once followed him and have walked away or you don't follow him at all. You never have. And this morning, I pray that you would hear the good news of the gospel and that you would put all your weight into Jesus. You put all your trust into him. And, and what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The good news that, that at the same time that each of us were sinners, each, at the same time that each of us were separated from God, Christ came to earth and he lived a perfect life. He lived the same life that each of us lived and he lived it perfectly perfectly. He never sinned once. He did what each of us were supposed to do. And then after living a perfect life, he went up on the cross and he paid the penalty for our sins. He did what we could never do and then he paid the penalty for us not doing what we're supposed to do. It's really insane, God's love. It's like off the charts. Like what is up with that kind of love? Jesus was bloodied and bruised. He experienced the wrath of God on our behalf. In Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. And Jesus bore that penalty on the cross. But then it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And the only way that's possible is because Jesus paid the penalty. But here's the thing. He didn't just die on your behalf. He didn't just pay your penalty. He went into a grave. He was dead. He had been defeated, so to speak. But then after three days, he came up out of the grave. Breath came back into his lungs. And he declared that death does not have to have the final word. And I don't know about you, but I think that's good news in 2020. When our culture is obsessed with death right now, I believe that is good news. That death does not have the final word. That if we put our trust in King Jesus, he will bring us into a new life. He'll literally give us a new heart. He'll take our old heart of stone out and give us a heart of flesh. He'll give us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come to live on the inside. And we'll begin to be the people that God has called us to be. So what I want to do right now is give you a chance to respond to that. So if everyone across this room would just bow your heads and close your eyes. I, I believe there's people in here this morning who just need to get right with Jesus. If that's you, what I'm going to do, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, if you want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time or recommit your life to him, I just want you to slip up your hand to heaven just between you and God saying, I'm putting my trust in you. So one, two, three. Slip my ball across this room. See that hand? See the hand, 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 see the hand. All right, go ahead and put your hands down. Now I'm just going to pray a simple prayer of repentance and turning away from our own life and saying, Jesus, you are Lord. You know, Romans 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. So let's do that. Jesus, this morning, we just come to you as a body and we confess that you are Lord. You are King. And God, we repent of the ways we've messed up, the ways we've sinned, and God, we ask for your forgiveness that's only available through your sacrifice. God, we pray for that forgiveness. And God, we also pray that you would bring us into a new life. God, that the Holy Spirit would come to live on the inside. And we walk in this newness of life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I have one more way to respond. You know, like I've said throughout the sermon, if you haven't gotten this, then I'm not a good preacher at all. But, but God is calling us to be a church that relies on his power. Okay, that's the big idea today to be a church that's filled with him. And as we look forward to launch day next week, I just believe we need to ask him to fill us with his spirit. So as a church, what I wanna do is I want you to just kind of pray between you and God right now. I'm gonna kind of lead us out a little bit, but just, you know, bow your heads again, close your eyes, whatever you wanna do. I'm just gonna begin to pray. And I want you to pray between you and God and say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Just, just begin to ask him, say, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Jesus, humble me. Jesus, put hunger in some heart. So just begin to pray in your own words. Hey, Jesus, this morning we come to you God, we ask you for humility. We ask you for hunger. We ask you to fill us with your spirit. Yes, Jesus. Continue to pray. Press in, press in. The devil's gonna try to distract you.